Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. I am also the founder and CEO at .org Source, a consultancy to associations and co-founder of .org Community. Today, my guest is Kate M. Schaff. Kate is the Director of Business Operations at the American Medical Association. Previously, she was Senior Director of Client Management at Innovatus Group, and she is employed in various capacities at the Radiological Society of North America for about 12 years. So I'm so excited for you to join me today, Kate. Welcome. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. So um, the Director of Business Operations at the AMA sounds like an exciting and big job. Uh, I know that our listeners will be interested in hearing about your experience. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at the AMA? Sure. Well, it's not as quite as big of a role as it sounds like. So because the AMA is such a large organization, I'm sure there's other people um, that oversee business operations of different business units. I work specifically uh, with the AMA Education Center and most specifically on the EdHub product. All right, um, great. Yeah, so it's um, it's focusing on typical things like financials and the overall operations. But I think the thing that's unique and probably something not often found in associations is we do operate in a matrix environment. Um, and I kind of consider the unofficial main role of my job as being a translator. So making sure different teams are talking to each other, making sure communications going up, down, sideways, everybody's crystal clear on what they're trying to do and how they should be doing it. So what shifts has the AMA uh, made as a result of the pandemic? So I joined in November of 21. Um, and so I've gone through several opportunities when we thought, you know, things were over uh, as we both know we're still navigating our way back to that. Um, I would say compared to most organizations, we've taken a rather conservative, conservative approach, wanting to protect the safety of employees. And so um, I can't really speak to how things were before, but I will say there's clearly more flexibility around when um, people come into the office and They've taken a bit of a, again, business unit by business unit approach with that. And so um, ours specifically is rather flexible with people working from home if they need to or coming in the office when they want to. Um, I would say some of our work has shifted as well. And it's because of um, the science and information coming out around the pandemic and how do we help protect against misinformation think that's become more of a focus overall of the organization um and then also you know just things coming out of the most recently the Dobbs division and helping physicians navigate that um preventing gun violence has also been a big focus so things like these issues have risen up and the AMA makes a very strong stance and we align our work to support those so one of the issues that I've been hearing kind of post-pandemic um is women that have left the workforce. Um, 
And I was talking to a woman the other day that, you know, she left the workforce for a year or so and is now trying to get back in um, to the workforce. So mm-hmm. what can, what do you feel associations can do to keep their female talent and help maintain that healthy balance between work and family responsibilities and all yeah. the other things going on in the world? <laughs> Boy, this one is, I mean, it hits very close to home. I would say, you know, one of the things I've noticed is I've moved on in my career in associations. I have three small children and um, it's become a lonelier and lonelier space, you know, and I think with the pandemic, especially um, women just aren't, I think as a society, aren't really told that a priority can be your career. Um, You know, mother is a role that I play, but it's not all that I am. And uh, I think, there's not a lot of support that shows women ways that you can stay in the workforce. I feel very privileged that I've had the opportunity to have reasonable and good childcare, um, to have a partner that supports me in this. Um, and, you know, specifically, I've been working at AMA on looking at our parental leave policy. Is that the specific way? How can we help support women to stay in the workforce at least? pay them while they're on parental leave and make sure they can take a long enough time to bond with their child and fathers as well. Um, And I think people don't realize, you know, disability insurance is offered a lot, but that's not offered because of the medical condition of pregnancies required. It's not offered to people that don't give birth to their children that adopt um, or foster. So I did some research and I think I contacted you as well around, uh, who is offering a good parental leave policy and is focused specifically on associations. And candidly, it was really hard to find. Yeah. Um, other than our SNA where I used to work, uh, I don't think I found another one that had 12 weeks. And so, um, and if you take that standard compared to like where tech companies are or financial organizations, that's behind the curve. Um, so I think providing paid parental leave is one one surefire place to start but there's so much more that we can all be doing and isn't it weird because most associations i've seen are almost all women like how are we not demanding this yeah it is um i know for our team i mean especially when you're also looking to attract um younger talent um i have well i have two women on my team one she homeschools. So the morning she's busy with that. And the other one has her kids in school in the afternoon. She's like, Oh my gosh, Sherry, there's like so much homework. And, and so we just kind of move around that, mm-hmm. but that, and it is hard to manage um, folks, you know, cause some folks are t- typical nine to fives, but being having like kids of flexibility and being agile. And as long as, you know, the work is getting done, um, you know, we kind of say we don't care when it gets done as long as it's getting done, but there's Mm -hmm. a lot of responsibility on both sides. that comes with that. You've got to have the right, um, the right people and personalities. But I do think that more and more um, we just have to be paying attention, right? Because when we're not providing that flexibility, um, the people do, they leave the workforce or they figured Mm -hmm. out like, well, I didn't have to work for that year. Maybe we can figure out how to do less or downsize mm-hmm. or whatever that mm-hmm. case might be. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. It's like in the association space is majority of women and 
we haven't figured <laughs> we, we're not doing a really good job. Yeah. And I mean, so many women have left and come back at associations too, I found, um, and are frustrated. Like I could be here or I should be here, but I took that time off and, you know, why can't we make it all work? And I get that it's not for everybody, but I just really feel for the people that there's no choice, you know, um, and hopefully feel like associations could be a great place for women to continue their careers. So yeah, absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about the importance of culture and attracting great talent. I mean, we just kind of started talking about it a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, but what are, I guess, what are your thoughts? I think um, it can be really overwhelming to talk about culture because it can mean so many things. Um, but I don't think there's often wrong answers. And I think it's important to be crystal clear on the type of culture you're trying to create. And so um, what's most important? I mean, as with, I mean, even my day-to-day work, but like identifying your priorities of what are the most important things that you want to instill in your teams. Um, for me, is uh, curiosity and courage, um, making sure there's a safe place for people to be curious. I think people say mm-hmm. that a lot, but that safety part is pretty essential. Um, And yeah, I think also to your earlier point, which gets into all things post pandemic is flexibility. Um, And that's tied to performance as well. Like if somebody's a rock star, I don't care when or where or how you work because you're a rock star, you're getting it all done and you're doing it really well. So why would I ever impose on that? You know? Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel that DEI impacts culture? Well, so that's, I mean, at the AMA specifically, we are super dedicated to this. So every business unit has a dedicated plan for not just seeing DEI as a separate thing that we talk about and think about, but how to embed it in everything that we do. And so we're not there yet where I would say all of our equity work is deeply embedded, but it's something that we focus on quite a bit and uh, creating that kind of in- inclusive culture where everybody gets to participate um, is essential. And you won't hear those voices. You won't have those diverse perspectives. You won't truly achieve the greatness you can achieve with innovation if you don't have that inclusive culture. So I honestly think it's everything. So what are, you know, most organizations are facing some challenges with employees returning to the office or not. Um, I know you and I have talked about this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So what has the experience been at the AMA? So this is like one of the first times in my career, probably where I feel like such an outlier with this, because I love going to the office. I'm so happy to see people again. And I, especially like having started a new role during the pandemic, I think my ability to like feel really vulnerable and ask really dumb questions was so much greater in person than it was remotely. Cause it's like, I could read your body language. I felt yeah. safer. I could just be like, I don't really understand what this means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't do that virtually. Um, and so while I, I fully appreciate that it's not for everyone and I see people that are really successful and productive and happier at home and like, good for you. Um, I want to express how much I enjoy working from home and that it brings me joy, 
without feeling threatening or that I'm trying to take it away from somebody else. And I do think there can be, you know, a healthy balance of times where we do come together. Um, and I'm hoping that things will level out because I do sense this, like, if I come in, then you're going to make me keep coming in. And that's not the case. It's just, let's fill your cup and then you, yeah. I can fill my cup and then we'll spend some time apart and then we can come together again. Um, but it really, I think it really does come down to that flexibility thing again. That's what everybody really wants. They just want to be able to do, to work where they need to work when they need to do it. Yeah. I had a, uh, a client of mine, they've been, I wouldn't say fully remote, but basically you had the option to come into the office or not. Mm -hmm. And um, for many, many years. And the CEO asked one of the women, she would, you had to basically like save your spot or rent your spot out, whatever you want to call it. Like you had to like sign up that I want this office. Mm -hmm. So she would come in and she had the same office every day that she would sign up for and would come in and shut the door. And he's like, and she was an editor and he was like, you're the last person that needs to be here. Like, why are you here? And she's like, I just need to be at the office. I can't deal with working from home. And she's like, I come here, do my work, leave it, go home. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do think like everybody's, you know, different. And I think at different times in your life, things are different, right? Like things are going on, you know, personally that you have to be closer to home because you have an aging parent or there's something else going on where, um, you know, the commuting time or whatever is, is a challenge, but, um, but yeah. So anyway, so I guess on that note, what do you Mm -hmm. feel as a leader that you can do to have a workplace to where everybody enjoys like wanting to come to work? Like, are we ordering pizza? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Well, I mean, kind of, to counteract the point that you made about the editor, I think the worst thing you could do is have everybody come in and sit back to back on Zoom calls, which I've also seen and been guilty of not protecting my team's time against that and my own time against that. Um, so I think protecting time for those like casual collisions where you yeah. can just bump into people, have those conversations. I mean, that that is the invaluable thing that is... I can't really express how to make it happen. Um, and you can't make sure everybody's doing it at the same time, but as much as you could control that, I think it would help. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of people would argue against this, but I do think food is a connector. And if there's an opportunity to share a meal together, do something together, that's not just talking about our next project to like create those deeper relationships um, is helpful. But I also think just like getting people in, you know, as we give them those experiences and they see some value in coming in where they're not just sitting at their desk, I think it will become something people can look forward to and it will just take time and it might have to feel a little more required in the beginning, but I'm hopeful with time it will get better. Yeah. I'm actually a little bit surprised that we've kind of gone like with so many people just not wanting to go back to the office after this mm-hmm. experience. I guess I wouldn't have anticipated that. Um, for myself, we've always had a virtual office. Mm-hmm. However, we were always at client sites. So, sure. uh, and the big difference is, as you talked about, kind of those conversations that come up 
we, I'd be walking through the hall. We'd be working on a digital transformation project and I'd be walking down the hall and somebody would say, Oh, Sherry, um, did you know, like, we just approved this new membership model. And I'm like, what? You guys just <laughs> implemented the, like the, the membership module in the AMS. Like now that's like a $50,000 change. Like what, what did you just yeah. do? But yeah, those are the types of things that you would hear that someone's like, Oh, it's not related to the AMS project. Like this is my own thing and they don't exactly. understand the impact. So we're missing, I think a lot of that, um, going on, but, um, you know, I think there is a balance though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about your leadership style and how you come to kind of develop your leadership style and your characteristics. Um, I, it's taken me some time to own this. Um, but I'm definitely one of those people that has to go all in. Like I bring my whole self to work. I definitely am an oversharer. Um, and I sometimes get burned. I trust everybody way too fast, um, way too much. Um, and, but then I also learn really fast who people are and how they work. And so, um, it's been valuable in that the relationships that I have are super deep and very trusting. And, um, I have that with a lot of my team, um, with all of my team now, but it's, um, something that, you know, I've had to just kind of own because I read about creating boundaries and where you should and shouldn't be polite enough or, um, politically correct enough and all of those things. And, I think when people know who you are as a person and get that deep understanding, um, it just makes everybody happier to be here because we spend a lot of time here and I, I am not going to be happy if I have to be surface the whole time. Um, yeah. and so I, I get to know my team well. I get to know what they're excited about. I look for opportunities for them wherever I can. Um, and sometimes that's hard and means like that they're not going to be working with me directly anymore. Um, but I would consider some of my team members, some of my closest friends now, you know, um, people that I've stayed in touch with for years and years. And it's really wonderful for my life in general outside of yeah. that. That's nice. So where it's kind of a different topic. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you see competition for associations in the marketplace? And is AMA addressing this? Um. So, I, yes, I'm sure there's competition in the marketplace. I, associations are so hard, right? Because there's often like eight different businesses operating under one umbrella. So if you were to look at the publishing marketplace or the meetings marketplace, like they're all so different and have their own challenges and competitors. Um, I would say the most interesting thing about working at an association, despite all of that, is that often we aren't competitive, you know, that we are working on similar things for very different audiences. And so you can pick up the phone and be like, what are, what are you doing in this virtual meeting setting? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, how did you break through that uh, library consortium to get that deal? Because I want to get on that too. And um, there's just opportunity to be, I would say like hyper collaborative where other industries, you don't have that. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, So how do you see technology continuing to change the way that we do business? I mean, it's it's everything I consider 
like if someone were to ask me what I'm doing for my job, I would say like I work on a technology product. I work on a tech team and I've worked for, you know, very much your traditional tech startup type environments um, and technology solutions that even serve associations. And that's essentially what I'm doing. I think, you know, there's a lot of places where associations shouldn't be software developers or creating technology, but definitely uh, leveraging the tools that are out there. And that should be the focus of pretty much everything that you're doing at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so do you think that the AMA's business model will change in the future? And if so, why or why not? Um, sure. I think everything has been so disrupted. Uh, you know, you've got, again, so many different business models floating around that provide different revenue streams, which is healthy and good. I mean, I think the mo- it's really important for all associations to look at their revenue and make sure it's balanced and not relying on one place. Um, and, you know, like when I was at RSNA, we would always talk about what would we do if our big meeting went away and then yeah. we never imagined and it did. And like, thank goodness you have other revenue streams. Um, so I, I suspect they will continue to change and pandemic was an accelerator for everything. Um, and I think if nothing else, we have to be, you know, oh God, I hate to even use the word like scenario planning again, because I think we all have PTSD from that. <laughs> but <laughs> so maybe not to that extreme, but like thinking proactively about what's next and where will things continue to evolve versus being reactionary. Um, hopefully, you know, no, no more pandemics in our future, but boy, what a lesson and just anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kate, thank you so much for this conversation and your advice. It's always great to hear from someone with your breadth of association experience. And um, and it was great to connect with you. So um, if somebody wants to to reach you, can they find you on LinkedIn or? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You got it. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.